Lord, we thank you so much that we can come together and study your word and worship you and learn of your word. Lord, I just pray, Lord, that you would speak to each and every heart here today, that you would open our hearts. Give us receptive hearts, Lord. And I pray that the things I say would be clear, Lord, and that it would be of you and not of me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, I am not going to ask you to turn to a specific place in the Bible, and that is because I'm going to be all over the place. There are a couple of passages that we will get to that, you know, you, you can look up, but I'm just going to say the um, references and read the scriptures, and uh, if you want to jot them down and look them up later, that would be fine. So I don't have a place to say to open to right now. But the key verse is the one that I had Kate put on the front of the bulletin. You can look right there. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. Jesus said this three times, word for word, in Matthew, in Mark, and in Luke. And, and when we see something repeated again and again in the Bible, it's because it's important. And today we're going to talk about the importance of God's eternal word and the treasures that God has for us in that word. Heaven and earth shall pass away, so the problems that are facing you today the things that are giving you the trouble are going to pass away. Your boss is going to pass away. Your debt is going to pass away. Football is going to pass away. But the word of God will be there forever. Will be there forever. And, and what just amazes me is that God took all the words, the things that he wants us to know, and he put them in a book. Isn't that amazing? He gave us a book. And I think that sometimes many of us neglect this. So all we need to know is is packed away right in here. Now, we read about people going on space exploration or when they hope, when they get to Mars or when they take pictures of all these outer galaxies that will give us clues to the origins of the universe. But God gave us a book. It's written in here, right? The origins of the universe. What about the origins of life? People are trying to figure that out. It's here. God gave us a book. What about our purpose of our life? How how we should live our lives? It's in the book. What happens when we die? How to be happy? And so on. God has given us a book. And when people try to figure it out outside of this book, we get all kinds of crazy ideas. We get into big trouble. So I'm not going to be talking today particularly about the evidence of how we know this is reliable, how we can trust it. We'll be doing that in the DVD series that's coming up. If you want to get a head start or you you want to take a look at that, you can go to alwaysbeready.com. That is the website know where we ordered these DVDs from and and Charlie Campbell it's his website he's the Calvary Chapel guy and he has lots of information on there free that you can study up to see why we can depend upon this book but the purpose of the talk this morning is to help us realize the treasures that we have here 
and to encourage us to dig more into it. So three parts. Why is the Bible important? And then we're going to look at a little survey that I took and see how we as a church and individuals are actually studying or not studying this book. And then some practical how-tos of how to get more into the Word, how to dig in the Word more, how to get more out of it. So why is the Bible important? Why bother with this? You know, it's been ridiculed in our culture. It's been taken out of our schools. Uh, many people, many scientists believe it's been completely debunked. So why, why do we bother with it? And, and because, as I said before, for Christians, this book is full of treasures. Treasures of salvation, forgiveness, redemption. Treasures of truth that we can get more knowledge of God and we grow closer to God through this. Treasures of wisdom. Treasures of light when we're surrounded by darkness and strength when we're weak and comfort when we're brokenhearted and so on and so on. Hope when all else has failed and peace in the midst of a storm. And of course, the most important treasure is Jesus himself and how he is revealed through this book. So I'm just going to talk this morning about two of those treasures. And the first one is the, the growing closer to God. Now, there's a Bible word called sanctification. Now, most of us probably know what that means. It basically means that we're getting cleaned up and prepared and set aside for God's service. Now, this will include growing closer to God, being conformed to the image of his son. In other words, as we grow as Christians, as we build our relationship with Christ, we should ourselves be, be becoming more and more like Jesus. In John 17, 17, you see, I was going to get to the Bible. John 17, 17, when Jesus is praying for his disciples and praying for us, he says, sanctify them by your word. Your word is truth. That's sanctification, this growth, this becoming more like Jesus comes through the word of God. In Romans 12, verse 2, Paul writes, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. To renew our minds. And this is something Paul is telling us to do. He said, be transformed. And how do we change this mind? How do we transform this mind? How do we pull it away from the world? It comes through diligent study of this book. In John chapter 1, verse 1, John says, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Go a few verses down to verse 14. The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. What God is saying in his word, he is equating the word, the spoken, written, revealed word of God to Jesus. And if we want more of Jesus, then the place to go is in that book. Now, 
there's more to sanctification and more to getting close to Jesus, of course, than just reading our Bible. We have to read it with an open heart. We have to be willing to change. We have to be willing to obey what it says. Obedience is a big part of it. I mean, we, we know many people who can probably quote verse after verse after verse, but they're like the meanest people in the world, right? And there's no grace, there's no mercy. So just the Bible alone is not going to do it. Uh, consistent prayer. So many people treat God like the paramedics. When something breaks down, when there's an accident, when they're hurt, they dial 911. They want God to come fix up everything and then goodbye. You see? And, and consistent prayer is another thing that's important. And fellowship. Being part of a body. Growing together. Getting to know other people. Working together for the Lord. And there are probably other things. But you know, a car will run for a little while on three tires if you've got a flat. But it's not going to go far. And so it's the same thing with our, with our life. And being sanctified and growing closer to God. We can drop out one of these things, or two of them, but we're not going to get very far with the Lord. But I'm going to focus today, as I said, on just the specifics of, of growing close to God through his word. What happens as we start to study and to pray and to saturate ourselves with the word of God is, is we'll start to change on the inside. And sometimes we don't even realize it. Our values will change. Our thought patterns will change. Our desires, our wants, our passions. These things start to change. And it's a marvelous thing. Now, some people approach the Christian life like to, to follow a set of rules. You know? Well, I would rather be playing golf on Sunday morning. But because that now I'm a Christian, I've got to go to church. Or... I'd rather be out partying and, and running around and, and getting drunk. But now that I'm a Christian, well, I don't do those things anymore. I've got to go to Bible study. No, and, and, this, and that is not the point of the whole thing. If you're like that, if you're trying to live a Christian life like that, you are going to be of all people most miserable. And it's not going to work. You see, the Christian life is as we conform to Christ, then what happens is over time is the things that we want to do change until they are the things that God wants us to do. Does that make sense? In other words, the desires of our heart conform to desires of God's heart. And we don't get up and think, oh, I've got to go to church. We get up and think, I get to go to church. No, we don't think this chore, oh, I need to read my Bible. I'm a Christian. I've got to read my Bible. We think, oh, thank God we've got this book. Amen. And I don't, oh, I don't have, oh, I've got to share my faith. No, it's overflowing from a heart full of God's word. Amen. So that first thing, <clears throat> the sanctification, just growing closer to God, as we dig in, as we mine these treasures out of God's word, this is what's happening in our lives. The second thing I wanted to talk about was the treasures of strength and power that God has for us in his word. You know, you, you know there's many Christians who are really kind of weak in their faith, and it doesn't take much to knock them for a loop. And, you know, the Bible 
describes itself, or Paul describes the Bible, the Word of God, as a sword, the sword of the Spirit. In Hebrews 4.12, it says, the Word of God is quick, that's alive. The Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And in Ephesians chapter 6, and you can go there. We'll look at a few verses there. This is Ephesians chapter 6, and we're going to go to verse 10. And this is a familiar passage to us. It's talking about the armor of God. Ephesians 6 and verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having, your, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Verse 12 describes the battle. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. In other words, our enemies are not other people. Against principalities, against powers. These are spiritual forces that fight against us. And in verse 17, it talks about take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. This is our only offensive weapon that's listed there. Now, how do these things work? With the job that God has given the church, the Great Commission, to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now, you cannot do that. We're going on the attack. You cannot do that without the word of God. Without the weapon of the sword of the, the, sword of the spirit. Now, also, what about protection from the things that attack us? The fear, worry, and anxiety. Or perhaps discouragement depression, and sometimes even suicidal thoughts. Jealousy, anger, envy, sexual lust. And what about the horrible emotional challenges that hit us like an atomic bomb when there's a tragedy in our lives, a a, a loss of a loved one, or we suddenly found out we have cancer? And think of it in the sense of like a physical attack. Suppose you're walking down the street, it's dark, it's a desolate area, well, you know, desolate in the city, you know, and uh, you're by yourself, and suddenly, from an alley, somebody jumps out, pulls a knife, and they're going to attack you. You don't know if they're going to rob you or, or, or what. And, and you reach in your pocket, right, and you grab your sword. You pull out your sword, and you start fighting, right? Well, 
if the only sword you have is like the one in my hand, which is a little Playmobil sword, a little toy sword, you probably can't even see it in the back, you're not going to do so good, right? You're going to come home bloody, beat up at best. But if somebody jumps out at you with a knife and then you pull out this bad boy, do you see the difference? And, and you see our spiritual life is like this. Now, if that guy is hiding in that alley waiting for somebody to attack, and he sees somebody coming, coming by with this thing strapped to his, soul, to his side, he's going to let you pass by. Right? And so it's, it's the same thing in our, spiritual, in our spiritual walk with the Lord. If we have a sword, and by that I mean we're familiar with the word of God. Let me set this down before I knock it over. We're familiar with the word of God. We're studying it. It's becoming a part of us. Then we have that strength. We have that strength to fight. And I'm going to give you an example of that in the the spirit. And I'm going to uh, use my daughter, Anna, as an example. And she has given me permission to share this. Now, Anna, you know, uh, Anna has some... Uh, challenges with, uh, with anxiety and fear. And sometimes these, she gets attacked with this and it's very overwhelming. And what she'll do, she's home, she will go into her room and lock that door. She takes her Bible and she takes her journal. And she digs into that word. And she's talking to God in prayer. She's listening to him speak to her through her word, through his word, and then when she comes out, there's a smile on her face. She, she has learned to go to the word of God. And I really like this. When she's out and about, she carries the sword in her purse in the form of these three-by-five cards. And she's very organized. She has them color-coded. Now, this one says sadness. This one says anger, uh, anxiety. And I don't know what that one is. So she carries these around. And when, when she gets attacked with these things, she, she'll pull them out. And on the back of them are Bible verses. So on the back of sadness, for example, Psalm 61.2. From the ends of the earth will I cry unto thee. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. And Matthew 5.4. Blessed are they that mourn, mourn, for they shall be comforted. And then she has a little note. It's okay to cry. Pray. So, and thank you, Anna, for letting me share this. So do you see how, how she is using God's word as a sword in her life? And she has a resource of strength so that she can stand on the solid rock of God's word. So we're going to look at this little survey that I did. And I have just a little, we're going to, let me get off of here. And we've got a couple of slides to show you. Oh, 
Okay, go ahead to, uh, to the chart, to the next one. Okay, so I did not have a laser pointer, so I brought my, my lightsaber. Two weeks ago, I printed up these little surveys, and I passed them out to many of you, and you handed them back. I got actually 81 of these, and it had these questions. How much time, on an average, do you spend reading or studying the Bible every day? Uh, little or none, less than 30 minutes, 30 minutes to one hour, more than an hour. So here are the results. Okay, so little or none, 19%. Less than 30 minutes is 43%. More than 30 minutes, less than an hour, 27%. And over an hour, 11%. Now, I think this is a pretty good cross-section. If you think 80 people, uh, 60 were adults and uh, 20 were teenagers. And I put them all together. Now, the teens actually brought this down a little bit. Um, In the teens, and I was surprised at this considering all the homeschoolers we have, was 40% here and 25% here. And so that would add to 65% in the, uh, you know, less than 30 minutes. And also, as far as over an hour, it was so small that if there had been one less person, it would have disappeared completely. So, now, you're probably thinking, okay, Warren, there's no commandment in the Bible that tells me to read my Bible every day. And you are right. There's also no commandment that says how much you're supposed to read your Bible every day. So I don't want to get into some kind of legalism that says you need to read your Bible 45 minutes every day. That's not what I'm doing. I am just want to kind of see and get an idea of how we're doing as a church or individually. Now somebody may read their Bible two hours a day, but may be a Pharisee and go around banging everybody over the head with it. Okay? And somebody, you may have a single mom who's working a job, trying to get her GED, and, and raising three kids, and she doesn't have time. If she's got 10 minutes to spare, she's going to sleep or something. Right? So, and she may, she may be down in here somewhere. So, so this is just very general. But my, my hope is, you know, is that folks here, in the little or none stage, would kind of maybe move up to here. And these folks here would maybe move up to here. And then these guys up here, don't go to sleep. Don't think I'm not talking to you, because we're going we're gonna to discuss that in a little bit too. Now, one interesting thing that I've noticed in, in years of counseling people or talking to people is that it seems like the people that have the most trouble in, well, that seem to have the most difficulties and the most challenges and, and coming in for counseling and, and things like that tend to fall over here because they're not in the Word. They're not getting strength from the Word. But folks over here, I think they have the same challenges. It's not that, you know, challenges strike harder that direction. I think it's that they have the resources. They're going to God. They're getting counsel from God's word. They're getting strength there. They're getting answers there. And, and that's what I hope, you know, that, that we would do 
better ourselves. So thank you, Matt. So that's our survey. And now how do we apply this to our lives? And why don't people read their Bible? Why is there 60-some percent of us here that, that are not reading our Bibles very much at all? I think one reason is that some people are not saved. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 2.14... The natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. In other words, the natural man, the person that has not been born again, that is not walking with Jesus, that is not saved, is not going to really have a hunger or passion for the Word of God. And uh, there may be a curiosity. You may read it a little bit but the interest is going to fall away. Now, the good thing to that one, if that's you, there's an easy answer to that problem, and that is to get saved. To to stop running away from God, to give your life to God, to trust Jesus for salvation and and just surrender your life to him and let his love and peace come into your heart and he'll create that hunger there. But then what about the folks who, who are born again? You know, who, who, who are, you know, Christians, but aren't reading the Bible. Anyhow, I think, I think there's maybe two reasons. There's probably more. There's two I'm going to mention. One reason is maybe no time. And I, I think this is a real reason. And I don't think we can necessarily, say, condemn people like that. Like the busy mom I mentioned. You know, or maybe there's a daddy. He's working two jobs. And there may not be time. And if that's your, the case with you, I say... God bless you. It'll get better. You know, God's grace is sufficient for us. And just do the best you can with what time you have. I remember when our kids were little. And Diane would have the baby, and I'd be putting the rest of them to bed and sitting there with the, with the two-year-old, you know, patting him or her on the back and, and reading the Bible. You know, got the doors to the other bedrooms open. And you don't know me. I've got a lot of kids. We always had a baby. We always had a two-year-old. <laughs> and, and when I start to nod off, you know, then we turn on Alexander Scorby reading the King James Version of the Bible on the cassette player. And the kids would go to sleep listening to that, and we would know when they were asleep because somebody would stop getting up and turning the cassette over. You see, that's something that anybody, that you can do if you've got kids, if you're busy. There are things you can do. You can put a Bible in the throne room. You're going to spend a couple of minutes a day there. If, if, if you don't know where the throne room is, ask the person sitting next to you. Okay. And, you know, and if, if you're in the bottom section where you're not reading at all, then don't decide, well, I'm going to read to the Bible this year or I'm going to go to two hours a day, you know, just decide to read through the Gospels. Read a chapter a day. And, and you know, just start slow. You see, if you're truly busy and don't have time, God's Word is eternal. God can take one verse that you're reading to your kid out of a Bible storybook and speak infinite, 
strength and power into you. But don't use that as an excuse if you're spending three hours playing video games and say you don't have time. Another reason, you know, is you can listen in the car. And a few years ago, when I was, I was working, uh, I, was, I was very busy, a very busy work schedule, but I had about three or four hours of windshield time every day. And I got an iPod, I loaded that thing up with, uh, with Bible and tape and classes, and, and I got that three or four hours a day in, in the scriptures, in the word time. It was, it was really good. And one thing about listening to it on CD, if you, if you space out and wonder, what, what, what do you say? You can play it over again. Now, some people, and, and a real concern, may be poor readers. And, uh, and I understand that. And there's a lot of us like that. And if, if that's the case, well, once again, you know, we've got... Oh, I brought some more show-and-tell stuff. This is the New Testament on CD. You know, you can get it on CD and get it on MP3. There's probably an app for it for your phone. We also have, and we have these in the church office. This is the NIRV translation. It's a very vocabulary has been simplified. The sentence structure is easier than what we're reading here. And a lot of people found it, whoa, I, I get more out of this. So, so, so there are ways. Now, suppose you have time, but you just don't have a hunger or desire. And, and you know, saying you have no time is more an excuse. When you do have time for Facebook video games or texting or, or watching TV or reading secular stuff. And, and I think, you know, for people that are saved that feel like that, I think it's like the um, little boy who, went, who, who fell, out of, fell out of bed. And his mom said, you know, she's comforting him. She said, what, what happened? Why did you fall out of bed? He says, well, I guess I just fell asleep too near where I got in. And, and some of us in our Christian walk, we get saved. We start walking with the Lord. But we go to sleep. And, and we're not careful. We, we might fall out. And another thing is we get a perverted appetite. There's so much in our culture, TV, radio, secular music, and books, and the news, and all of this stuff will just will, will, will feed your spirit, but it's like eating junk food all the time. And your spiritual taste buds get desensitized. And, you know, it's the same thing if, you, if you're on a junk food diet, if you're on an unhealthy diet, and you decide you've got to change back and start eating the right stuff, that's a hard step because you like all the bad stuff. But if you just get going in it, then God will do it. I, I knew this guy years ago when I first started serving the Lord. His name was Jeremiah. And Jeremiah, he was about 18 or 19 years old, and, and he loved the Lord. He decided or he, he thought that God was going to destroy America. And this was about 40 years ago. So what he, he and some other guys, girls, guys and girls who, who were Christians, who, who were really born again, they decided they're going to get ready for the Great Tribulation, so they got a farm. They knew nothing about farming, but they were trying to grow food, chickens and stuff like this. And one of their neighbors uh, gave him an old horse. No. And they were using this old horse and riding this old horse, but the horse got sick. And they didn't know what to do. So they called the, the farmer, you know, been there, 80 year old farmer, knew everything about horses. And he came over and said, man, that's a dead horse. You just need to shoot him. But Jeremiah said, I can't do that. 
So Jeremiah, he got the folks together. They laid hands on the horse and prayed for the horse, and God healed the horse, right? The horse got back on his feet, but he wouldn't drink. He wouldn't eat. And so he was going to die of thirst and die of, you know, die of lack of food. So they went back to the old farmer. And he came over, and he was kind of impressed, you know, okay, 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 God, I can see that. You know, miracles happened here. So he took the water hose and put it in the horse's mouth and just let it run. Just let it run. And the horse would not drink it. The water just kept running out and running out. But after a few minutes, you know, a little bit of water started, you know, getting on those taste buds and a little bit of water started going down his throat. Before you knew it, he was drinking it. He was drinking it. And then he took a handful of feed and he just rubbed it around on the horse's gums, put it on his tongue got the taste of it in his mouth. Now remember, he would not eat out of a bucket. He would not eat. And then slowly he began to, hmm, 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 hmm. And the horse started eating again, and he recovered. So if you, if you have lost your appetite for God's word, you just got to do it. You just got to jump in and start reading it. And, you know, you can let's start with the Gospels, or, or we're going to be studying 2 Timothy, start reading 2 Timothy. But pray before you start. And this is for all of us. You've got to pray that God will open your heart to his word, to take away the distractions, and, and to help us to focus, and that God would just satisfy us with this word and give us a passion for it and show us those treasures. Okay, I'm running out of time here, right, Steve? <laughs> uh, let me see if I can finish this up. Now, the folks who are pretty faithful in God's word, you know, and I think a lot of these folks uh, uh, may be involved in ministry, maybe not, but I think there's a tendency to get complacent. And, and particularly people in ministry, we can get very busy. There's always more ministry to do. Just for example, if your ministry was feeding the hungry, you're not going to feed them all. But you might try. And it's easy just to neglect your personal time and prayer and study for the ministry. And a lot of uh, pastors and Christian workers will tend to get burned out that way. And you can do good for a while because you've got a resource. You know, you've stored up God's word in your heart. It's like a camel, you know. He can go for days without water, but eventually he's going to wear out and needs to drink. And I think it's just uh, for us as well. And I felt what I learned through this study was that it's easy for me not to see these treasures and and to take them for granted and to get busy doing other things, other things, good things, and not really, you know, seeking and digging into that treasure. Now, just to summarize, suppose I said I have this big field, big piece of property, and it's full of treasure. And you can have anything you find. Well, some of you are going to say, well, that old fool, you don't know what he's talking about. And some of you may say, well, I'm going to drive by and look at that place. Maybe somebody will get out and take a rake and rake around a little bit. So I don't see anything here and just go on. Maybe somebody will go out with a metal detector and a shovel and, oh, look, I found this. I found this. This is pretty cool. But if somebody really believes me, they're going to rent one of these ground-penetrating radar devices, get the backhoe, and go out there and start digging, and dig, and dig, and they're going to find it. And they're going to find that treasure. 
They're going to start stockpiling it. They're going to get friends to come and help them. And they're going to get more. They're going to start sharing it. And the same thing with God's word. How do you approach it? Do you just take a rake out there and rake some leaves and say, I don't see anything. Open it and just look a little bit and say, oh, well, I don't see anything here. But do you dig those mine shafts down and start mining out that gold that you need, those treasures that you need? Let's look at, to finish up, let's look here at Proverbs chapter 2. Proverbs chapter 2, verse 1. My son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you, talking about God's words, God's commands, what we've been talking about this morning, so that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. Yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver, and search for her as for hidden treasure. If we would do that seeking and searching, verse 5, then you will find, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. You will find that treasure. So I just think maybe we should challenge ourselves you know, to, to dig a little deeper, to take a little more time, to pray a little bit more, and, and get into God's word. Okay. Well, let's pray. Lord Jesus, you are, you are so awesome, and we thank you so much for this, this book, your word that you've given us. And we know that many people in the world today don't have access to it like we do. Lord, just open our hearts and thrill us with the treasures. In Jesus' name, amen.